Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 749. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing review from the weekend just gone. If you are a first-time Fight Disciple, please hit the subscribe button. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. Everything's there. Whether you need audio, whether you need visual, it's all there for you. Get stuck in, become part of the family, and never miss out on any of our content. We do a bit of MMA as well. That's right. Uh, and we also have an extra show coming later on in the week where we preview the weekend's action. This one dedicated to everything that you saw at the weekend just gone. And we've got a lot for you today, kids. Oh, yes. We've got weight misses. We've got contentious decisions. We've got bad officiating. We've got stellar performances. You name it, we've got it. And we're sprinkling it all in uh, to our boxing review program. How's your cock this week? Because it seemed that uh, our social media got lit up on Thursday with the amount of people that are concerned uh, about uh, about your cock. Everything mm-hmm. sorted? You're dead. Yeah, not that, but have you? did you get another cock in or have you gone no. down the route of uh, not needing a cock to create eggs? Yeah, you don't need a cock to create eggs, as I was informed by our lively listenership when I first adopted said chickens. Cock is not required for eggs. So, uh, but they are in mourning at the moment. The hens, I've got to be honest, they've gone from giving us two or three eggs every day to only uh, to only one every other day. So they're obviously in mourning. They're obviously missing little Lucky and as Randy missing antics. Missing the cock. Missing the yeah, cock. That's man. what they're missing. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's funny. They're, they're a funny little, they're a funny little thing. Like the way they just all behave and they're just a little bit subdued and upset and, yeah, and I'm missing them singing, to be honest with you. <clears throat> it's quite nice in the morning when you let them out and then sit and have a cup of tea and you can hear them singing his brains out trying to get his leg over. So he, he is, uh, it's probably been missed more than I thought he would be. So maybe I will get a replacement cock. Who knows? There you go. Replacement cock on its way. Mm. Uh, lots of action over the weekend. Did you enjoy it? I did, actually, yeah. Obviously, it was a weekend punctuated by the glory that was Glastonbury, which was, you know what? It was very memorable. I watch, I watch Glastonbury on TV. I've never been. I'll be honest, I've never been. And I probably should go one year. It's the type of thing I'd enjoy. And you know what? We should go and get a big fight disciple flag and put it up the top of a big massive pole and wave it right in front of, uh, right in front of the pyramid stage because that seems to be a fantastic way to uh, promote your business, I was thinking. Watching it go, hmm, yeah. There was a wicked candle in the wind. 
flag. That was my favourite flag, I think, which was uh, all about my favourite TV show. But no, it was good. I thought Elton John was fucking remarkable last night. Cat Stevens was brilliant. The Gabriels are now on my playlist and will be getting rinsed next week when we're doing a bit of travelling. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys sort of a hit and miss and Guns and Roses two and a half hour sets. Could have been made into 40 brilliant minutes, I've got to be honest. But other than that, yeah, I've had a lovely, relaxing weekend. Family, loads of beers, loads of wine, loads of music. Been great. The kids have loved it because they've had more iPad time than they've had in fucking forever because I just wanted to watch telly. So, yeah, been nice, mate. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? How was your weekend? Mm. You went backwards and forwards to that there, London, was you? Like, uh, yeah. Last flag. Yeah, doing a bit, doing a bit in London. Did me uh, Friday and Saturday radio shows. Interesting. Spent a bit of time in the company of some fighters. Had a little bit of a chat with David Adelaide. He's nice. Yeah, Tried to make he... a fight for. Nice lad. Yeah, top lad. Nice boy. Very honest. Very open. Uh, tried to make a fight for uh, Jack Catron. Um, phone Regis Progre. Tried to make a scrap there. I cool. Know, I'll, I'll I like Regis Progre. Top bloke. He is a top bloke. Very top bloke. I don't know uh, how far the line, down the line we got there with that. Uh, I also spoke as well this weekend, and I, I find her a fascinating character. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be attending her fight this weekend. Franchon Cruz de Zern. Did you know that she was on American Idol? Was she? Yes. Wow. She was on American Idol, mate. Uh, What's singing? Singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she got turned down by uh, Simon Cowell back in the day. Um, and there's a rumour this week. I mean, she can, she's got pipes, as well as being able to fight and be the undisputed super well, the, female champion. The lead singer of the Gabriels, he yeah. finished running up. He got binned off American Idol in 2011. Yeah, last night, fight? last night he was on the fucking main stage and the pyramid stage with doing a duet with Elton John. So all is not lost. Fran's saying, "Keep going, girl. You never know. You never but, know." Yeah, but she's fighting now, mate. Anyway, the rumor is this week. I, I, we just started talking about music in general on Saturday night, and she might even this weekend. Here's something hot for you. She might even sing the national anthem pre-fight. Oh, has that ever been done before? No, I don't think it has. I've seen people come out to rappers and get involved in all that type of stuff on the ring walk, but she's contemplating. Depends on how she feels. She's going to put the request in to sing the national anthem before the world title fight, before she fights in it. How mad's that? Fuck me. That's, that could be a world first, you know. I'm trying to think whether I can remember any boxer ever... Wrapping themselves to the ring. Did Roy Jones? Roy Jones did everything. Roy in the Jones, same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Roy Jones, who released a couple of rap tracks, he could well have done that. That wouldn't have. That wouldn't surprise me if Roy Jones had done it. I don't know whether I've ever heard of a fighter singing the national anthem in the ring prior Mega. to their own fight with the glove. Who's going to hold the mic? Like she's going to have her gloves on. I don't know whether that's going to happen, man. But it'd be amazing if it did. Headset, headset, Madonna, go for Madonna. Nice, I like it. It's quite a big, it's quite a big tune, that though, isn't it? Do you want to be oh, emptying yeah. your lungs that close to a fight? I don't know, man. That's a that's an in. interesting point. I'm in. I'm, I'm all in. in. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Anyway, yeah. So that was my weekend. Mate. Spent a bit of weekend doing a, doing a bit of that, and obviously watching a lot of fights. I enjoyed the MMA, UFC in particular, being yes. on a on a, a prime time uh, UK time zone, which is great. Which we'll talk about on our uh, MMA show which freed me up nicely for my train journey back to catch up on all the boxing. Um, I'd already caught up on little bits of this, actually, already, because some of it had already taken place. Shall we start in Japan? Because we started in Japan last week. Yeah. 
with the world title fight in the super flyweight division as Joshua Franco took on Kazuto Ioka for a second time. Um, now, obviously, there was a big story going into this fight because Franco hit the scales mm. the day before. And uh, you've, got a, you've got a saying, haven't you? It's not about missing weight. It's about failing to make weight. He came in two weight divisions above yeah. uh, the allowed limit. Six and a quarter pounds over. Stripped on the scales of his WBO uh, uh, title. But the fight went on. And loads of people um, I saw going back and forth on social media contemplating whether the fight uh, should go on or not. And it kind of brings back that conversation that we had when Lee Wood and Maurizio Lara had a, had a very yeah. similar situation. My take on the Maurizio, Lara and Wood, because of their history, was that knockout brutal power from the guy that came in overweight. And that was my yeah. angle on that. These two guys, don't get me wrong, they can crack. There's no doubt about that. They can crack. Um, but there's not a narrative of one of them being absolutely bingoed by the, by the other. And you might class that as double standards, but I think you've got to treat each situation individually and with these guys being what 100 and less than 120 pounds in uh, in weight mm-hmm. i know it's all relative um but i was less angry is angry the right word i was less concerned again these are the wrong words that i'm using but you kind of get where i'm going with this fight going ahead than i was originally with lee wood and maritzio lara yeah, I think, listen, the point you're trying to make is that the, the previous fight resulted in a in a majority decision draw, didn't it? Um, and there wasn't necessarily any incident in that fight where you think, fuck, that much power um, and there's that much danger, the danger levels there. I think with Franco as well, rather, rather, similar, to, um, rather similar to the Lee Woods situation is that there was a lot of talk when he arrived in the UK, that he was massively overweight. There was a lot of conversations in the aftermath and in the immediacy of the fight saying he did try everything to make weight. He's just completely and utterly fucked this weight cut up. And maybe he's just too old for this weight division now. His body's just caught up with him. And I think the fact that this fight was in Japan, Iota, Ioka, sorry, is on home soil. All the officials be Japanese. Everyone around is Japanese. So Frank over team are going, and, and whether you like it or not, the spies in the camp, whoever Japanese people are around Franco, they know he's trying to make weight. They know the physical condition that he's in. They know the mental state that he's in. And that will ultimately be felt back to Ioka and to the commission and to the, the promoter. And that's no doubt part of the conversation to go, yeah, man, this fight's going ahead. Fucking pounce on him. And it was very similar in terms of performance as well. Franco, I think I gave Franco the first round, maybe one down the stretch as well. But I also took him apart. Did you have it that wide? Did you I, have it that I thought wide? he won it by a mile. Yeah, I had a ten-two. Um, I could you listen. There was a there was an argument for Franco in a couple of other rounds, but I thought Ioka controlled it comfortably, um, and Franco just looked. He looked like a guy from round two, three onwards. He looked like a guy that was about to announce his retirement, of which he did. Which he did in the immediate aftermath. He has uh, decided to call time uh, on his career, which is a sh- well, listen. It's a shame because we've we've been waiting, haven't we, for uh, somebody to really step. I say in this in this particular division now of with with the main man doing what doing what he's doing and challenging uh, at higher weight divisions. You're kind of looking around 
at Superfly for that person to step into, mm-hmm. you know, the Chocolatito realms, the Estrada realms, all those types of guys to make that crossover. And I genuinely thought that maybe Joshua Franco could have been that guy. He's got he's got a great personality. He looks the part, doesn't he? Uh, and it's just a shame that he's decided to call time and walk, and walk away from the game. Because, listen, Kazuto Aoka won the fight. There's no doubt about that. Maybe he's the guy. But he's what now? 33, 34 years of age. You kind of want that younger book to uh, yeah. to do a little bit, don't you? Franco, Franco may come back. You know, he's had a, he's clearly had a fucking horrible weight cut. You know, he's clearly fucked it up. Um, And it may, it may well be more. It may well have been a bad camp. It may well have been, you know, everything... Lightning in the bottle in terms of everything going wrong. And sometimes when you lose a world title, because he lost it on the scales, never mind in the fight. Mm. And then he lost it in the fight as well. It's devastating, you know, and it's that plane ride home from Japan, heartbroken. I think that's why he's gone. I'm done. I'm done with this game. And you don't know what's going on. So he's riding on emotion, you think? I think so. I I think so. I, I I wouldn't put money on the fact that's the last time we've seen Joshua Franco. It may be the last time we see him at super flyweight. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I think we could see him again back inside the ring. Um, where do you want to go here now? Well, let's go, to the other, let's go to the other Superfly world title fight, which took took place in Minnesota, where Daniel yeah. Fernando okay. Daniel Martinez uh, scored an 11th round knockout of Jade Bonilla uh, to defend his IBF world title. Um did you watch the fight? I know the big headlines was Adamez scoring a, win, a big win over J- Julian Williams, best, best win of his career. But um, but Martinez retaining his title, that was a, for me, that was a 50-50 fight, man. Bonet was absolutely right in the fight. And yeah, I thought Mart- a statement I, like that. Mate, I thought Martinez was absolutely fantastic. I really do. I thought, um, we said pre-fight, didn't we, that um, Martinez was the boxer, Bonet is a person that probably carries a little bit more power, a little bit more unknown yeah. from my point of view anyway, but you kind of look at where he's from, the tutelage and and and, and the people that he surrounded himself with, and you thought, okay, well, this guy might be able to do a bit. And he could do a bit, he proved it. There was moments, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the start of this fight, you thought to yourself, fucking hell, right, okay, here we go, we're rocking and rolling here. Um, but I just thought that the class started to rise from, Five six, something like that. It started to. You could just tell Martinez, right? Okay, you've had, you've you've had a go, son. You cracked me a couple of times. I felt what the crack is now. I know what I've got to go and do. And I just felt Martinez started to go through the gears a little bit more. Um, um, and then when the ear popped, which sounds horrific, doesn't it? When the ear popped in round nine, I thought, and I know this is going to sound really brutal. I thought it was really clever from Martinez because he just kept hitting it. He just he, he saw it was a massive target on the side of his head and he yeah. just kept teeing off on it. And I know that if you've only seen, if you haven't watched the fight and you just see the finish and the stoppage and the referee off one shot, like just saying that enough. It's because of that. The ear pops in nine and he literally just explodes. And then there's a period there of about six minutes where he's just teeing off on the on this. He's not going anywhere, Bonnet, is it? He's proved that he's a tough fucker and he's, his corner's not going to pull him out at this particular stage because it is a world title fight. But I thought the referee showed a, a good deal of compassion there and just said, listen, there we go, sunshine. That injury is a little bit too hectic uh, for you to be continuing for the next, what, five or six minutes. So we're going to call it now. Um, so, yeah, that's how I saw it, mate. I thought, Bonnet, like you said, Bonnet has started really well. It's World Tower Fight. Here we go. Let's rock and roll. But then just the class started to rise a little bit. And I thought Martinez was uh, well worthy of a victory. And 
uh, the stoppage come, what was it, the 11th when they pulled it? The 11th, yeah. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I thought the judges got it spot on up until that point as well. I think the two judges had it 97, 93. One judge had it 98, 92, a little bit wider, but it was yeah. that wide. You know, I think Bonnea, as you say, he was a live opponent early on, but every time he made an adjustment, Martinez knew, to, knew, to, knew how to reply, knew how to respond to it, knew how to ride the shots and knew how to counter what he was doing and force Bonnea into positions he didn't want to be in necessarily. So, yeah, it was all about, ultimately it was a, 50-50 going in, two undefeated records. There is no blueprint or that usual cliche bollocks. But when it came down to the fight itself, Bonnet gave it everything he could. But Martinez yeah. was just just, just too good for him. Levels, isn't it? He was just a level above. Yeah. And then on that stoppage, because you look at that stoppage, just optically, if you've not watched the fight, you think, oh, that's a bit soft. You want to see a soft one? <laughs> uh. Get yourself into the Carlos Adamis fight uh, and Julian J. Rock Williams. Again, um, baffling that this is for an interim title, given the fact that uh, Adamis picked up that interim title last October and the champion, who we are being told he's going to be fighting at £168, hasn't defended it for two years. That's by the by. Just park it to one side. Let's have a look at the fight itself. I actually thought, when the fight was made... I thought Adam, I thought it's the perfect opponent for Adamis to make a big statement because J Rock's got a little bit of he's got a name, hasn't he? Because of, of the victories that he has had. The with him being the former unified champion after beating Heard, it's a weird little tenure that he's had at 154, where obviously he was beaten by Charlo. I know that this is obviously at middleweight now, but he's got that name. But you never really know where he's at because some performances he puts in, and you're thinking, is he interested? Is he not interested? What where, where's he at? Mm -hmm. uh, Julian Williams. Well, he was interested, and that's what yeah. made this really fascinating, this fight, because we've got eight completed rounds, and this ends up getting stopped in the ninth, right? So the eight completed rounds, don't, I'm not saying that J-Rock was up, but he was well in it. I personally, at the, at the time of the finish, had it 5-3 to uh, Adamis. I had it 5-3 up. So, you know, we're, we're coming into the championship stages of this interim world title fight now. Experience, J-Rock, been there, done it, got the T-shirt. Is he going to start putting his foot down and try to catch, close that gap and start to put it on down, down the back end? You would have to say that at the end of eight, you'd have to say, okay, the ex this is where maybe his experience is going to start to kick in now. Now, round number nine, okay, right? Adames is teeing off. There's no doubt about that. And he's starting to, it's looking like he's the one that he's starting to take control of the fight. But Williams is still there. He's still throwing. He's still putting shots together off the back of a big barrage. Yeah. He's defending himself. There's nothing there really where you're going, fucking hell, his head's all over the place. And it's, you know, it, it, it's getting uncomfortable to watch. It was incredibly premature for me, mate. And, you know, I'd rather be, I'd rather a referee, as I say all the time, I'd rather a referee be early than late. Absolutely. But fuck me, man. There's... There's, there's early and there's early, and this this dude turned up a day early for me on that on that yeah. finish. I thought I thought it was too much. The weird thing is, I watched um, I watched the zone card Sunday morning, so I watched I watched what happened in Madison Square Garden, New York, where I'm basically at one stage fucking almost begging the referee to stop the fight. Uh, the, the heavyweight fight, of course, we'll come on to that in a second. And I'm like, fuck's sake, that's so late. The corner should have been there. The ref should have been there. And then when I found the, the Minnesota card yesterday afternoon, and I'm watching this, and I'm watching this fight, 
And I, okay, like you, I've got Ademir's up. I think J-Rock's probably, you know, first three or four rounds are close. I think Adamek's probably, uh, Adamez has put his foot down a little bit. He's, won, he's probably won the last two or three in conse- uh, consecutively. So he's mm-hmm. pulling away. But you're right, J-Rock's in the fight, man. J-Rock's still there. He's alive, dog. And there's four rounds to go as well. And okay, Adamez has got a tail up, but J-Rock's got the experience. And I'm like, this is not over yet. Let's see. Let's see. If J-Rock can come back into it, if he can put the pressure on Adamez, put him on the back foot a little bit more, where will this fight go? And then, you're right, from almost from nowhere, the referee just jumped in and I'm like, all right, man, he's, he's getting hit, but he's fucking... I've just, I've just watched a, a fight in the same sport under the same set of rules, supposedly, mm. and the decision there is made to leave the man in the fight. And you've just made the decision using the same basic set of rules in the same sport with the same size gloves, same, everything supposedly the same, a 12-round fight, and you've made that decision? How can you make that decision? And the guy over here made that decision. Don't get me wrong. Fucking somewhere in the middle is probably the right decision. Do you know what I mean? They're both wrong. He's too early. He's far too late. It's somewhere in the middle. But that contrast, just because I'd seen them both like literally an hour or two apart, and I'm like, how is this the same fucking sport, man? This is mental. Absolutely mental. Listen, was it the worst stoppage I've ever seen? No. But I'm not surprised J-Rock and his team were fucking pissed, man. And by the way, one of the judges gave Adamez every round. That just didn't happen. I thought... I thought J-Rock started really well. I I think after three, I had him 2-1 up. And exactly what you just said. I think four, Adamez, five, you know, he starts to go. That's that's when he starts to put his rounds together. There's no way that it was a fucking whitewash. Like I said, I had it 5-3 at the time of the stoppage, and I genuinely thought... Honestly, uh, when 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 he got to... Obviously, the stoppage comes in. So it it was only actually last night when I was fucking scribbling through, making some notes on the fights that I thought, well, and I looked, and yeah, Ray Perez, one of the judges, Ray Perez, scored at 80-72 in favour of Adamez. You know what? If if I had the inclination, Ray, you'd be added to the me fucking list, but I haven't got the inclination. I couldn't really give it Listen, I'm going to throw this out there, right? Because we've seen in recent weeks random stoppages in fights, and there's, there's a... Um, and there's a consistency, there's a common denominator between them happening. We saw the Tony Weeks one, didn't we, with uh, Rolly Romero and Israel Barroso. There was another one, was it last week or the week before? I can't remember off the top of my head what fight it was, but there's, there, there seems to be three in quite high-profile fights, and they're all happening on Showtime cards. They've, they've all happened on... This is a Showtime. The Tony Weeks one was a Showtime. There was one the previous week which was a Showtime. And you're thinking, what's going on here? Because... Th- the Tony Weeks one was ridiculous, let's be honest. But jumping in and awarding Rolly Romero a world title off the back of what happened in that particular sequence with Ismail Barossa was absolutely disgraceful. Now, this at the weekend, I'm looking at it and going, I, I just don't get it. Because if you look, that referee's got a decent track record. If, again, mm-hmm. I know that you'll probably go through his box rec and all these different fights that he's been in. He's actually got a decent record of fights and calling fights properly. And then he's got it absolutely horrifically wrong here. 
people are going to start putting twos and threes together and coming up with all sorts of different answers as to what is actually playing out there. Because that, as every single fight fan that watched that fight at the weekend, knows that that is absolute BS. That fight, mm. that the stoppage in that fight was ridiculous. And it's a shame, really, because, of course, J-Rock gets robbed, but Carlos Adames gets robbed as well. Because yeah. he's That's the winning. Point. Yeah. He's winning, and he's going through the gear. And you would think... That's a statement for him. If he can get that, if he can get it properly in nine and 10, 11, whatever, that's a problem. Yeah. He's been robbed of a moment there too. Yeah, because uh, because people are talking about this. They're talking about the performance of referee Mark Nelson. And you're right. Listen, Mark Nelson's just had a quick look then. Boxrec have got him down as a veteran of 940 fights. A lot of them world title fights all over the mm -hmm. world as well. One of the most experienced officials, trusted lieutenants of the WBC. He's, he's, he's a very experienced individual, but just had a, again, a quick look. Ray Perez, who put in that horrific scorecard, is a novice. Guy's only re guy's only been a judge for just over 50 fights. He's a complete novice. So, you know, okay, there's two conversations here. Should a novice, should a guy who's only judged 50 professional fights be involved in a 12-round title eliminator? That's for somebody else to answer. I would personally would say no, he shouldn't be involved in a in a title in a twelve round title fight, and that scorecard for me suggests that Raymond Perez needs to go back uh, to the lower levels and continue his uh, is a is education of scoring fights because J, J Rock did not lose every single round. That just did not happen. But again, listen, we spend an awful lot of time on a very inconsequential fight. Let's get to Madison Square Garden, where all the action is. Oh, well, Tevin Farmer. Tevin Farmer was back, won in style. Mm -hmm. It was apparently it was a close fight, but he, he he got a win. What that means for the future, we don't quite know. But Tevin Farmer got a win. First win in what three years, whatever it is, since he was retired. Noted. We've noted it, Tevin. We're moving on, kid. Madison Square Garden, Hulu Center. Let's go. Because we're going to get uh, deep and dirty. Right, right. We are going to get deep down and dirty now, right? Because I didn't watch this live, all right? I thought, I'll check this out Sunday morning on my train ride home. It's perfect for me to watch on the train ride home, right? And I made the error of knowing the result and what had happened before I'd watched the fight. And as well as that, I'd also seen social media commentary. Now, part of the social media commentary was indeed referring to the television commentary. Now, you know my rules and regulations with this, my friend. I like to watch fights in silence so therefore I can just concentrate on the action without being put off and distracted and pointed in some type of false direction from a commentator. But it seemed that it was quite a hot topic on social media with people making reference, in particular to Sergio Mora's commentary uh, of the fight. So I thought, I'm going to have to fucking listen to this because if everybody's talking about it, we're going to have to maybe make some type of reference to it uh, on the show. So I'm here to make reference to it. Now, again, this might be going completely against where you're at because me and you have not had this conversation. And it might be going completely against everything that anybody else has seen. If you remember on the preview show last week, we told you what we thought of Edgar Belanga. Everybody knows that I picked him as my one to watch. And I, and I did that, I think, off the back of 11 uh, straight first round finishes. He went on to obviously get 16 and then he's had four decision victories off the back of that. Now, obviously this one um, with uh, with Quigley. 
And I said, listen, the lad's got power. There's no doubt about that, but he's limited. He's looking, if he doesn't get the power going, the boxing skills aren't necessarily there in order to set up the power against better level of opposition. We said that on the preview last week. We've seen the guy up close and personal. We've watched him box. We saw him in the Caceres fight when he got dropped in the ninth round. All that stuff, it's on the preview last week. So I'm watching this fight and I'm thinking, Edgar Belanga's getting better than what I saw. Now, mm -hmm. Everybody pump the brakes, right? Because I know that everybody's dogging him and everybody's saying, oh, yeah, all that. And we need to cash it. Listen, the kid that I saw live was not as good as the kid that I saw against Quigley at the weekend. He is, without any shadow of a doubt, getting better than the person that I previewed on last Thursday's show. Is it brilliant? No. Is he the finished article? No. But he most certainly, in my opinion, look better at the weekend than he has done in pre in the previous four decision victories. I actually thought, okay, he could cut the ring off better. And okay, he could do certain things um, in order, rather than following uh, Jay Quigley around, he could do certain things in order to set up what he wants to do. But I actually thought, from a boxing point of view, there is absolutely development from Edgar Belanger, and he's going in the right direction. Um, I thought he won the fight relatively comfortably. I think the scorecards ends up showing that, of which then brings me back to my original point regarding commentary, because I couldn't believe what Sergio Mora was saying. I'm sat there listening to him talking about Jay Quigley and this and that and all this type of stuff, and don't get me wrong, Quigley, you know, boxed okay, but he wasn't winning. And he, but Sergio Mora was making it sound like he was winning. This is just my opinion and what I was saying. I, I just did not get the commentary stance whatsoever. I saw a very completely different fight to Sergio Mora. I thought Belanga won relatively comfortably, especially with four knockdowns. I thought it was relatively. I thought it was relatively wide. Yeah, I thought one of those, at least one of those knockdowns, is probably questionable. Um, yeah, the fifth honest. round one. The yeah. fifth round one. Yeah. That was weird, but it, but it was just weird. It quickly did like a weird skip thing for after the body shot. It was very strange. It, it like bumped into his own feet, or it was just hard to you know. It's just a, it was a very unnatural movement from the type of punch that landed. Um, only quickly could probably describe that. I'll be honest. I, I, I thought it was close. Uh, take the knockdowns out. The four knockdowns. I thought it was close fight. I give quite. I give quickly a good run of rounds in the middle of the fight. Um, I think the knock. I've, I've made a note here saying the the four. I called to four knockdowns, but apparently it was five knockdowns. Uh, no, it's four. I know, it was four. Yeah, yeah, three, five, and twelve twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I put it. My note here says the four knockdowns won the fight. Um, so you got quickly. it six apiece. Uh, well, there are there about maybe seven five in favour of Belanger. Don't get me wrong. I I didn't see Quigley win the fight, but I've got to the end of the fight and gone. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So seven, take, so seven. Take, take the knockdowns away. That's a close fight. Without the knockdowns, could I see a draw? 100. percent Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could have seen a draw without a doubt. Yeah, um, but but I think the not the knockdowns change the momentum of the fight, don't they? So, for example, course. in round number three, in, in round number three, Jay yeah. Quigley, I would say, is winning that round. I thought he won the start of the fight. I'll be honest. I thought he won. I thought you looked. He was two one up for me. Well. Until, until he got dropped. He was winning that third round. I give it one apiece, one and two. I had Quigley winning the third until he got caught. Um, don't get me wrong, I think both tactics were pretty good. 
I like Belanga. At times, I was like, okay, kid, you've shown us you can box. You've shown us your developments. Good for you. But he also loads up still that little bit too much. And that's going to take time. It's going to take time for him to adjust from that and realize that the power will always be there. You don't need to load up the power. You just need to box and let the power speak for itself. It will come. Opportunities will come if you allow in your boxing. And he is in this transitional period. And it does look, you know, for me, after the performance like that, I'm like, okay, I get, I thought it was a bit of a bad move from Matchroom to sign him and probably put him on massive wages because I'm like, yeah. he ain't that guy. But I'm watching this, I'm going, Canelo, okay. they, they brought him for Canelo. That's what they yeah. brought him for. But, but they're fucked now because they ain't got no Canelo. Correct. So, and obviously the build-up, we, we, you know, most of us seen the social media post of Belanga dripping in jewellery and chains and blah, blah. And I'm like, man, you know, <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't done nothing to deserve that. With all due respect, who have you beat to be able to be walking around dripping in jewellery like Mayweather? Who the fuck am I to criticise how a guy wants to spend his money? That's how Belanga wants to spend his money. Sound. I'm speaking from a fan perspective. I turn off from you from that. I turn off. When Devin Haney is covered in jewels, do I go, fucking hell, son, take it easy? Yeah, a little bit. But I also go, lad, you're the undisputed champion of the world. You earned that shit. If you want to fucking parade your money round, sound, crack on. Not my bag, but crack on. You've earned it. When Belanga does it, I'm like, mate, who have you actually fucking beat to parade yourself like this? But anyway, listen, whatever. It, maybe it's a maybe it's a generational thing. I don't know. But that's, again, these are moments when I'm like, uh, do I want Belanga to win? Do I, do I like him as a personality? Do I like him in the ring? I'm with you. His development is clear from all to see. I also think Quigley gave him a real fight. And Quigley's at a certain level. And Belanga's at a very similar level, yep. except he's got, he's got the edge in power. We just need to pump the brakes in terms of Belanga's potential. Because for me, even after a, a win like this, a win where he gives us a couple of answers to a couple of questions, I'm still like, the ceiling is right there with Edgar Belanga. Right there. And he needs to show me something else to make me think he can go beyond this level. Well, this is this is interesting, right? Just on, just on the scoring, so then people aren't confused with what I've just said. I personally scored like 7-5 in favour of Belanga which then gives me a 115-1 on nine card with the four knockdowns, right? That's why I'm saying wide, right? So that's mm. six points in it. But when it comes to just rounds, seven, five, like you just said, I think Jay Quigley did uh, pick up uh, pick up rounds here. In, coincidentally, I know that we talk about punch stats all the time. Quigley only outlanded Belanger in one round, just for people to uh, mark that down. There you go. Now, yeah. what do you do next with him? Because it was quite obvious that they brought him along because the running out of opponents for Canelo. That's what I think's happened. They've gone, right, well, fuck, we need to try. Okay, we can get a Mexico-Puerto Rico thing. And with all due respect, Canelo would absolutely batter Belanga. Right, okay, then get him in. Let's, let's, that's what I genuinely think has happened here. And obviously, it's fallen in a different direction now because Canelo is no longer uh, with Matchroom for these next three fights. So, But they've got to do something with Belanga. I don't think this is mad, what I'm about to say. Many other people might think it is. But... Because he seems to be in a little bit of a flux at the moment, not knowing what he's going to actually do and fight anybody of any real note, I would have absolutely no problem whatsoever putting Belanger in with Mungia. 
None whatsoever. He's 40 fights in Mungia. Yes, he was the 154 champion. He's had this weird thing where he's gone 160, 168 with Derevyanchenko. Derevyanchenko asked him some serious questions yeah. in, in, in their fight. Is Mungia all... There's questions about Mungia. Is Mungia all that? Yeah. So let's do it. Let's see. Let's have a... Are they all that fight? Berlanger versus Mungia. Yeah, uh, 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 the, the only issue we've got there is that Mungia doesn't take risky fights. And Belanga, even though he's raw, and even though I think Mungia could, could box his head off, um, he has got the that power, that one-punch power that would drive fear into the hearts of, not Mungia, but the people who manage Mungia. That's how, that's how he's, he didn't get to 42-0 by taking fights like this, like, like Edgar Belanga, just in case. It's safety first. So, listen, John Ryder's part of that stable. I think John Ryder should be banging a drum to, to fight either of those guys because they bring a lot of eyes. John Ryder would beat Edgar Belanger now. I think so. John think Ryder would. would beat him. But John Ryder isn't got the kind of a threat in terms of power to no. make Belanger say no. And John Ryder's just fought Canelo. So if you want to climb the rankings, John Ryder's the perfect guy. The thing is, I, I think you're right. I think John John Ryder will bully Edgar Belanger. He'd yeah. he, he bully him. He, he'd step on him and he put Belanger in positions he doesn't want to be in. So it's a, it's a real, <clears throat> it's a really strange division because is Bubu Andrade going to fight in this division? Is what's happening with Caleb Plant right now? David Morell's the 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 guy that could come through. Mate, and fight mate they're all waiting for Canelo. He's gone to PBC. They're all sat there now on the sidelines, going, "Me next? Can I be in yeah. part of the three? That's what they're all doing. You got Benavidez in there. Like the whole division is doing what this division has done for the last five years, waiting for Canelo, waiting for the Canelo call, dreaming of the Canelo call. But if you ain't with PBC, that call ain't coming it. no more. Yeah. So it's time to fight each other. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Edgar Belanger. Um, heavyweights, you mentioned them a minute uh, ago on the uh, on the undercard of this. Kusumano, a man that we've uh, come across before because he fought Daniel Dubois mm -hmm. uh, against uh, Adam Kaunaki, who we thought had retired. Turns out he hasn't. He's come back. Mm -hmm. He thought, no, I need to find out. Yeah, I, I need to find out what the crack is. Uh, Kusumano versus uh, Kaunaki was a, a thoroughly entertaining fight until it started to become uncomfortable. Correct. Yeah, correct. Listen, I think there was a lot of mad things said on the commentary comparing it to a bygone era of glorious heavyweights duking it out and having wars for, in, in, in title fights. Hollyfield's name was thrown about. Bo's name was thrown about. A lot of a lot of these epic fights, and the levels in this fight compared to those fights meant it was kind of uncomfortable listening to it because I'm not seeing two of the best heavyweights on the planet leave it all in the ring for a world heavyweight title. I'm seeing a very limited Joe Cusimano, very much a club level heavyweight. Mm -hmm chop up a guy that was falsely once labelled as a heavyweight prospect in Adam Kalnaki, who looked like he got right off the couch 
comes straight out of his night job stacking shelves at Target, which is what we said last week. Kaunaki's, Kaunaki's shot. We told you that on Thursday. Bringing him back here. Listen, maybe he talked the talk. Maybe behind the scenes, he was like, give me one last chance, man. Let me one last chance. I know I've lost three on the spin. Been chinned every time. Give me a chance. Give me a club. What about Kusumano? Perfect. Club level fighter. I'll prove him above that level. In the first round, when he got dropped, I'd have been happy if he got stopped then. But don't get me wrong, Kusumano, again, a very limited fighter, punched himself out. Kaunaki is able to win a couple of rounds, and then suddenly they start going toe-to-toe, and they're just teeing off on each other. But Kusumano at least is fit. So he's weathering shots. When he hit Kaunaki, he was just unraveling. He was just all over the place. And the amount of it was about three or four rounds. It got stopped in the eighth, thank God. It's about three from like the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Conversations like, oh, the management team are now in the corner. They're telling them to throw in the towel. Oh, the corner team are now talking to the Kaunaki family, asking yeah. them if they can throw in the towel. The, the family are throw saying, it in. you don't want to throw in the towel. Like, what the fuck? While you guys are having a fucking mother's meeting over here, Kaunaki's losing brain cells. Kaunaki is becoming a poster boy for fucking CTE. While you dickheads are having a conversation about who should throw in the towel. I'll tell you who throws in the towel. The chief second, number one trainer. That's your fucking job. You don't confer with the family. You don't confer with the promoter or with the manager. It's your fucking decision. Your decision. Do you throw in the towel? That's it. The book stops with you. You don't have a conversation. It's you. Is your man in serious position here where he's seriously getting hurt, you make the decision. And I think this fight went on, for, for, for me, it went on seven rounds too long. I'd have stopped it in the first. But anyway, it did go on. By the time it got to five and six, it's done. And yet we got through eight rounds. You're right. It it wasn't entertaining. It should, Mate, even the it throwing, been. Even, if it was two even, young even... prospects, if this was Dubois and Cusimano or two young heavyweights going at it, I'm on the... I mean, I'm, cla- I'm clapping the sidelines going, fucking hell. Look at the chin on him, man. He's going for it. It's probably still a little bit late, but I'm a bit more game. The fact that Kaunaki is a shadow of the heavyweight he once was because he's shot and that was happening. I'm like, just throw in the fucking towel. Shocking. The, um, well, and they didn't even properly throw it. If you, no. if you remember when it was being waved off, I think Sugar Hill Stewart's the person with the, with the towel. He's just waving it. And then you've got the doctors jumping up on the side, waving it off. And then the towel ends up coming in and it ends up ends up getting stopped. There were there were moments in this fight that I found really weird where the doctors checking in on both fighters. Yeah. Like after about three or four rounds. I'm like, right. You obviously know that they're fucking taking some punishment in there. There's the sign. If the doctor is on the apron in between the third and fourth round, looking at both fighters, you know that there's something going on. I thought the referee could have stopped it. I thought, uh, I thought, I thought uh, Kaunaki's corner could have uh, could have pulled him out of there. Uh, like you say, it was entertaining for three, four rounds, and then it started to become a little bit uncomfortable. Especially yeah. again, referring back to commentary, when the commentary team is saying, "Yeah, in between rounds, there they've just gone over to the family to see whether they want them to stop the fight." What? Hey, you're a fucking professional. Has that really happened? Have they gone over to the family and said, what do you reckon? Should we pull him out? What are you asking them for? Nothing yeah. to do with them. 
exactly. You're the, you're you're paid to do a job. Pull him out of the fucking fight. If you if you're having that doubt, it's already gone. Pull him. Madness. Absolutely. It's just not taking responsibility. And again, we're going off the fact that the commentary team said that. It may yeah. not have happened. It may yeah, not yeah. have happened. It, it may have appeared to happen. It yeah. may not have happened at all. So I don't but they want said, to they said it. Yeah, but they said it. But they said it on TV. They said that yeah, on exactly. TV. So that's all you've got to go off is that the TV is saying that the corner team conferred with the family to st- No. That is absolute disgusting. It is one person's decision. It is the chief corner's decision. It's not about the family. It's about you. You're the one that's been around this fighter. You're the one that's there to protect the fighter. You and the referee, that's your job. Protect your fighter. Get him home to that family. Don't ask the family whether you should pull him out. Shocking, man. Honestly, really, really, really bad. A terrible advertisement for, for the sport. It didn't feel like a sport. It was quite mm. gladiatorial and not in a cool, sexy, I'm here for violence and I love it kind of way. Just like a... I'm just watching a man fucking take years off his life for no reason because he ain't going to win this fight because this fight was set up for him to win because is the type of guy you beat to go, okay, I'm back now. And once he starts teeing off on you and fucking, and it wasn't, you know, the odd shot. Kaunaki was eating serious fucking leather. Getting his bell rang. Three or four times consecutively in the, in the space of a couple of short minutes. <sighs> Fucking hell, man! It was it was it was horrible to watch. It really was horrible. And, and we've seen it coming. If we've seen it coming, you're telling me the people around and the people in the arena, the promoters, everyone involved, going that could happen. That could happen. So let's be ready for it. And yet everyone stood there. Good, this isn't it. Isn't this good? No, it ain't good. I think good. The matter, the matter how the corner, the commentary team is trying to sugarcoat it and compare it to some of the great heavyweight slabber knockers from the past. It wasn't that. It was a shot fighter getting beat up by a club level fighter. Stop the fight. Mm-hmm. That was your boxing this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't know what to say actually, because now we finish. We finish obviously with that fight. And as I analyse everything, there's been so much weirdness about boxing over the weekend. Obviously, world champions missing weight, as we said, over in Japan. You've got random finishes to what you would class as world championship fights, even though it's an interim title from a from a referee point of view. Um, and then obviously that. mad, Just a mad little weekend. A mad weekend. Are you taking in any uh, boxing this weekend? Are you going to be uh, visiting... Sheffield or Manchester? Are you going to anyone? Or are you going to just basically chill and watch them both at the same time? Yeah, I might do, yeah, because we're, we're obviously I'm away for the whole of July at shows, and it is my wife and daughter's birthday at the end of this week, so I've got a, I've got a legit excuse and? to stay at home. And? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got a legit... Seems the way we're on a plane out of this, out of here on Monday. It's a... Uh... It's a legit reason to stay home Saturday night and maybe take them out for a bite to eat to celebrate their birthdays before dad disappears and we don't see them again for five or six weeks. So, yeah, I am tempted. To, I was tempted to go to Manchester, but, you know, I, I don't want to get bin bagged either. So. <laughs> or even or even Sheffield, Dalton Smith versus Sam Maxwell yes. was a good, good little fight there, man. Sam switched on, you know. Sam is absolutely switched on. He fancies it. And, uh, Dalton's the business, be- though, mate. I agree with you, but I've all I've also 
I've also seen Dalton let the occasion get to him a little bit and, and misfire a little bit. This is a big moment for him because I truly believe Sam Maxwell's turning up and he's turning up to win. And it's up to Dalton. We'll do this Thursday, so let's not get too into it. But I think it's up to Dalton Smith yeah. to hurt Sam Maxwell in those first two or three rounds and really put him in his place. Otherwise, Sam Maxwell's got a lot of experience, man. And if he gets into a rhythm and and, and Dalton gets caught in the headlights a little bit, like he has done in the past, you know, it, it hasn't all been, you know, sense uh, rainbows. Um, we could get a proper fight in Sheffield, honestly. We could do. It's nice to end on a high and something to look forward to, isn't it? After, yes. uh, obviously, uh, doing a, a little bit of uh, a dogging. Dogging? We didn't do dogging, but you get, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Thank you very much for tuning in uh, to the Boxing Review from the weekend. I'm sure you've got loads of thoughts. Mad stuff happened at the weekend. Let us know. Let us know your thoughts on the stuff that we've just been speaking about. I'm sure you've consumed the majority of that. Get stuck into the comments uh, on our YouTube channel if you've decided to watch the show. If you haven't and you've uh, you've gone elsewhere for it, please make sure you subscribe. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. Audio feeds galore on there. And we've also uh, got visual feeds on YouTube too. Uh, pay a little trip to uh, Monterex. They are our partners. Um, you could get there via the link that is in the description of this particular podcast. Click that, have a nosy round. If you like some stuff, use FD10 in the checkout and you'll get yourself 10% off their entire range. We'll catch you later on this week to preview that show from Sheffield, to preview the show from Manchester, uh, because there's a lot going on on British soil this weekend. World title, undisputed champions uh, defending. We'll get stuck into it on Thursday, so make sure you come and join us. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.